0: W-H-H-F-M Indianapolis It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy It's open lines, your eye on the community On Hot 96.3 one, one, two, two, three, three. Hold up
1: And good morning to you, Indianapolis I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle In the 106.7 WTLC and Hot 96.3 studio on this third day of 2021. We made it, y'all. We made it in the words of Kamala Harris. We did it, Joe, we did it. We made it out of 2021. And that alone deserves a round of applause. On this first show of the year, we do have some serious business to talk about. And this comes after the death of not one, but two black Indiana doctors who passed away from different circumstances, but both in Indiana hospitals. One, after having treatment that she says she would not have received had she not been a black woman. That is the latest doctor. Dr. Susan Moore passed away at St. Vincent after uh, having just a, a terrible experience, she describes there at IU Health North in Carmel. But she is the second black doctor to die in the past couple of months. You may remember back in October, Dr. Shanice Wallace passed away at St. Vincent after she had uh, a baby and so this is raising a lot of concern this is shining a light on what a lot of people will tell you has been a problem for a very very long time one of the people who is trying to end that problem while also shine some light on it is alexis tardy with the group call and response she'll join us on our live line this morning the goal here is to talk about this issue and shine light on what has become uh national headlines for things that are happening right here in indianapolis and how we can have a better experience at the doctor. We'll let you know what IU Health is saying about what Dr. Moore has to say. But this is an issue that is heavily affecting the black woman. Uh, And with that being said, if you guys have noticed, I'm not a black woman. So I needed to call someone who could uh, better speak to uh, some of these issues. And I started right here in our building with None other than our own Community Affairs Director, Tina Cosby, and host of Community Connection on our sister station, WTLC-AM. Tina also joins us this morning live. Happy New Year, Tina.
2: Happy New Year, Cameron. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to start the a new year off with you. I was already planning on doing that. I know you're on vacation. You don't technically start back tomorrow. So thank you for starting a day early to be part of this conversation.
2: Yeah, when it, when it comes to certain things, though, there are no vacations. And it, it's pretty much winding to a close. So, uh, so we're good. We're good.
1: So, well, nice. thank you again. You know, when I asked you to do this, obviously this is something that um, you're familiar with, from your, with your own experiences at the doctor, uh, black women at the doctor. It, it's a scary thought for a lot of people.
2: It really is. And I now have a, an adult uh, 23-year-old daughter. Um, and, I, and I have concerns for her. I, and, and Cameron, I have to say, by and large, I've had exceptional treatment. Um, and I, I can't really complain. And I've been in a number of states and as a black African American female, I haven't noticed any disparities. But as when you were saying that, and, and as I was recalling, there was an instance, uh, not too terribly long ago. That was, that was pretty frustrating and annoying, and thank goodness I happened to have relatives who are doctors and who told me what to do about it. But uh, lot to make a long story short, there was an ice storm. Um, I was about to take my daughter to, to school, and my driveway, which is kind of, you know, kind of sloped or whatever well, I didn't realize that there had been an ice storm overnight, so I slipped and I fell, and I used my left hand, left arm to to catch myself and all of a sudden everything just went crazy and I'm like oh my gosh and so my daughter called I couldn't do much of anything I called an ambulance and they they came and got me and took me to the hospital uh not too far away and I'm I'm not going to name it because I'm going to tell you why in just a second but Mm -hmm. um I you know I went to the hospital and granted it was an ice storm so ER was kind of full but I got in relatively soon and uh, so I, I told the attending physician, the emergency room physician, what was wrong. And he looked at every area except where I told him the pain was. And so he, he just said, oh, okay, well, the x-rays are negative. There's nothing to see. And it looks like you may have, you probably just dislocated your shoulder. And he put me in a sling, uh, told me to take some Tylenol and sent me home. Well, I went, I was home for like two or three days and It got worse to the point where I couldn't, I mean, this doesn't feel right. So I went to an orthopedic doctor and uh, they said, well, no wonder you're having so much pain. Your humerus is broken right here. Clean snap. I'm like, what? And they said, "You've you've got a broken bone in your upper arm. And for those who aren't familiar, the humerus is that long bone between your elbow and your shoulder. And mine was cleanly snapped in half. So they initially put me in a, um, a cast and it wasn't going the right way. So they said I'd either have to have surgery or, um, be in traction with this, this large pillow, uh, that, uh, I chose the traction cause I didn't want the surgical scar and they said it's basically the same, but, but I digress. But anyway, um, I was telling, um, a relative of mine who was an ER doctor and I was telling her how frustrated I was. And she said, oh, no, 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 you cannot let that go. Um, She said, call a lawyer, call a, so you know, this is what you do because that ER doctor was responsible because he sent you told him where the pain was and he looked at every place except where your arm was broken. And if you hadn't followed up or paid more attention and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I ended up getting proper treatment after I didn't take that. I just had a dislocated shoulder. Um, I, she told me to call an attorney, which I did. And the attorney said that unfortunately you can't sue for what might've happened, but you can make them responsible for all your, your care and what have you. So I did, I wrote a letter to the president of that hospital. Uh, they, uh, profusely apologized, paid all of my medical bills and things of that nature. But you know what? I know what it feels like because it was horrible. And, I don't know if it was because they were full and there were so many people with ice injuries that day uh that but that I was an African American woman I tend I tend to think I was dismissed it was very dismissive attitude by the ER doctor and come to find out that that particular ER department of that particular hospital had had similar issues with African American females so that's why I said I can't really Mention the hospital because that one is still i don't know if that's still being litigated or what have you so had i not pressed and asked questions and and followed up and and said what can be done or what more can be done yeah they quickly paid my my bills because Mm -hmm. they had other things going on which i didn't know anything about so
1: yeah so there's there's this is not uh I don't want to say in isolated or uncommon, but this is an issue that is happening more than what we're hearing about. In the case of Dr. Susan Moore, we know what happened Mm -hmm. because she got on Facebook and made Facebook lives and did um, her posting. Uh, And so as we introduce Alexis Tardy, that's one of the things that she's going to tell you is that this issue is bigger than just one or two instances. This is happening uh, far too often, and mm-hmm. Alexis joins us right now on our live line. Good morning, Alexis.
3: Good morning Good morning, Cameron. Good morning, Miss Tina. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for Thank you for, uh, for one shining a light. Uh, uh, On this issue, tell us about call and response and what you guys are doing as this morning uh, we talk about what has happened in Indiana hospitals after two black doctors, Dr. Shanice Wallace and then Dr. Uh, Susan Moore passed away from different circumstances, uh, but nonetheless shines a light on what uh, is clearly a pattern or a disparity with black women and doctors. And that is enough to get folks to be fearful to go to the doctor.
3: Sure. Um, Call and Response is a newly formed um, clergy activism group here in the city. Um, we want to organize faith communities for a holistic justice. And by that we mean uh, not just physically, but physically, mentally, and spiritually. Call and Response consists of myself, uh, Reverend uh, Simone Walls, Reverend Milton Keys, and Reverend Ronnie Bell. Um, we're womanist-led, which means we're led by black women. Um, and we truly believe, um, in the scripture, of Luke 4, um, if folks are familiar, Jesus, uh, speaks in that scripture of his mission, um, which is to make sure that we take care of the poor, we take care of the sick, and we take care of the marginalized. Um, and we believe that, um, whenever we see injustice, we have to speak out against it prophetically. And so, um, this is why we spoke out about what happened with Dr. Moore and Dr. Wallace, um, because they're not isolated incidents, as you mentioned, um, this is
1: something that's inherently wrong with our healthcare system. So, Alexis, uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Moore uh, pointed out, and I'm going to play a clip for folks who have not, uh, unfortunately, uh, I guess, well, fortunately, have not seen this video. And I say that because, as I was telling Tina, it's infuriating to hear this doctor mm-hmm. uh, go through this with With her own colleagues. Now, she didn't work at this particular hospital, but let's be honest, in any profession that you're in, when you are a member of that profession, there are things called professional courtesies. Uh, And and by that, you know, teachers are good to other teachers and and truck drivers help out other truck drivers and police officers help out other police officers and so on and so forth. And it doesn't mean um, that because she was a doctor, she automatically uh, should have been treated better but typically, she would get treated better, and then typically she knows what's going on. But on top of that, she's a patient, and it does, it, And if you listen to her, it's infuriating because, as she points out, she didn't get anything. Let me p- play a clip of uh, that Facebook video from Dr. Susan Moore that she posted while she was in the hospital at IU Health North in Carmel.
4: Yesterday. A Dr. Bannick, B-A-N-N-E-C, wanted to send me home. You know, at that time, I'd only received two treatments of the retin-desivir. He said, ah, you don't need it. You're not even short of breath. I said, yes, I am. Then he went on to say, You don't qualify. I must have because um, I've gotten two treatments. Then he further stated, you should just go home right now. And I don't feel comfortable giving you any more narcotics. I was in so much pain from my neck. My neck hurt so bad. I was crushed. He made me feel like I was a drug addict. And he knew I was a physician. I don't take narcotics. All
1: right, that's just part of Dr. Susan Moore uh, and her Plea for help is what she's doing on Facebook. I've learned that she's reached out to some other organizations while she was in the hospital trying to get help. Uh, 239-9696, 317-239-9696. Did you hear about this? Has something like this ever happened to you or someone you know? And what did you do? Alexis, I, I turn this to you. This woman is a doctor. As she pointed out, they knew she was a physician. I say all that and bring up the fact about the professional courtesies is because If she couldn't get the help that she needed, being a professional, being just a patient uh, and and being a doctor, how does that make you feel? And what what as a regular person who's not in the medical industry, what what does that leave for everybody else?
3: Right. That's a a great question. I just want to say it with Dr. Moore's um, story for a while, because um, not only did she have to prove her pain um, to manage uh, any other doctors around her. Um, she also reached out to the patient advocate there who did not, uh, who said they couldn't do anything, and she also reached out to the chief medical officer, who promised her better, and even assigned her a new doctor, but she was still um, ignored. She was still devalued. Um, her concerns were still not heard to the point that when she had to return to the hospital, she pleaded not to go back to IU Health North. Um, because in her own words, she said they were trying to kill her. So the fact that she was a physician um, really as an insult to injury because Dr. Bannick was almost mocking her about that, like, we know you're a doctor. Um, And her case is just uh, one of so many cases where black women are ignored in doctor's visits, um, ignored um, when they seek medical care. Um, One example is my mom. My mom had to go to the hospital and she was trying to explain to them how much pain she was in, um, and they not only ignored her pain, but similar to Dr. Moore, she had to prove that she was even in pain. And right. this shows a historical, uh, this, is, this isn't just uh, something that happened in 2020 or 2021. Historically, black people are, were taught to believe um, that we couldn't experience pain, or um, we had some type of supernatural higher tolerance for pain so that we, you know, we didn't need um, pain medication. And so uh, even in my mother's case, they ignored it for so long that she had to end up having um, surgery. And while she was there, she could feel the doctors trying to intimidate her. And so what people don't understand is that, um, especially black women, we are in tune with our bodies. So part of what would alleviate a lot of these issues is if doctors and medical professionals just listen to black women. Um, black women are what what's going on, exactly what Dr. Moore was doing. Um, she was a doctor herself. And so if Dr. Moore is not receiving the care she needs, and as you mentioned, she's literally a colleague, um, there are so many black women's stories that we don't know. And yeah. I think it's important that we, um, that we don't see this as an isolated incident. And what was so powerful to me watching Dr. Moore's videos is that she wasn't just making the videos for herself. You know, she was saying, like, this is what happens to black people um, when we can't fight for ourselves. Like, this is what happens when black people's voices are not heard. Um, And she says repeatedly in her video, if you listen to it, she says, I put forth and I maintain that if I was white, this wouldn't be happening. And so, you know, we see this um, both in Dr. Moore's case, Dr. Wallace's case, even with black women celebrities um, who have almost died in childbirth because doctors just
2: won't listen well serena um, williams with her blood serena williams is a perfect
3: here. example of that you know but like you know what?
2: not not meaning to but there's another dimension that i learned with my case and that was that even black physicians are held to a different set of standards held to a higher set of standards and this particular hospital that i went to that's what they were being uh I, I don't know what you call it, invested. But anyway, they were having issues. They were wrestling with issues because a number of complaints by black physicians mm. about how black physicians are held to a higher set of standards. Black physicians are disciplined on an un, uneven rate as opposed to white physicians, especially in the ER. And so there's the, an even deeper dimension in terms of bias, implicit bias, and, and th- that need to be fixed in these healthcare. care systems because uh, Dr. Moore uh, and what she was saying was was so spot on in terms of just that one experience that I had. And, and that's why I was encouraged so strongly to file that complaint with that particular hospital because the, uh, the, the black physician that told me to do that said, had it been me or any other black physician who had made such a crucial mistake as to missing a break, we probably would have been fired. And, and so this, this needs to be brought to the attention that some of these, these attending physicians, and I like the way she spelled out the physician's name so that there would be no mistake as to who was, was responsible in addition to, um, the, the healthcare system. And, and like you said, uh, your mother, unfortunately had to have surgery. Uh, physicians told me that had I just listened to what the doctor, I could have gotten an infection, possibly even died with, you know, just ignoring a break. Which is why I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go any further because what might have happened because I followed up, but not everybody has those. Just like Doctor uh, Moore was saying, not everybody has that advantage of being able to to advocate for themselves and to to check and to to cross reference with other people, because people don't know. Right.
1: We are on the air this morning talking about. Uh, what has happened in uh, two different instances that we know of in Indiana hospitals at different health systems. Uh, Most recently the death of uh, Dr. Susan Moore, who was at an IU hospital here in central Indiana for several days, uh, complaining online and, and noting journaling uh, her time there at the hospital saying she wasn't getting what she needed and that she was getting treated poorly. Uh, Eventually, Uh, Folks did start to hear her complaints and her treatment did get better when the complaints started to get out. She told us in one of her uh, updates that her treatment did get better and she even started to feel a bit better. Mm -hmm. And they eventually did send her home. But it was 12 hours later that when she left IU Health North that she went to St. Vincent. Uh, she said she would not go back to IU Health's hospital because, as uh, Alexis pointed out, she said, "quote They are tr- they were trying to kill me," right. and so uh, with that, unfortunately, days later, after being at the hospital at St. Vincent, uh, she did eventually uh, pass away. Her uh, we're told that it was uh, the cause of death was pneumonia, but this is after testing positive for COVID. IU Health president, CEO Dennis Murphy, uh, did release a couple of statements, and he released uh, this one uh, to me saying that the situation with Dr. Moore uh, is – where's I just lost my statement there. Uh, There we are. The situation with Dr. Moore is deeply troubling. Our hearts go out to her family and friends as they mourn her loss. We mourn alongside them. IU Health is an organization committed to our – to our values, and we will ensure fully that we fully understand what happened while Dr. Moore was in our care. We will identify and address any breakdowns in our commitment to providing appropriate and compassionate care, as well as communication and processes that occurred. In addition to an ongoing internal investigation into all aspects of her care, IU Health is conducting a third-party independent review of her case, as well as our overall patient care protocols and procedures led by outside of the healthcare and diversity experts. Whatever the findings, we will own the results and take whatever action is needed to uphold our commitment to equity and racial justice for our patients, and we will earnestly and humbly seek ongoing feedback from our patients, staff, partners, and local communities on our progress. That is a statement from CEO Dennis Murphy uh, talking about uh, this incident with Dr. Moore and how there is both an internal and external investigation into what happened. 317 239 317 239 We've got some phone calls uh, coming in talking about this issue. And, uh, Tina, I'm hoping today we'll also, I, I bet, I'm betting we will hear from uh, MOTEP Tep, uh, who I'm sure has a lot to say on this and one.
2: We, and, you know, Cameron, uh, immediately after this, this broke, we all started getting— it, uh, alerts, mails, emails, text messages. And if I may, re- really quickly, I know you've got mm-hmm. some calls, but uh, former state health commissioner, uh, Dr. Woody Myers, uh, sent a letter to the chief medical officer of the state board of health. So this is coming in, uh, from all areas and all aspects, the national medical association vowed to help. But let me read really quickly, uh, this letter that Dr. Myers sent to, um, Dr. Weaver at the Indiana State Board of Health, and it reads, Dr. Weaver, there's growing alarm regarding the treatment of African-American patients in our hospitals. Two black female Hoosier physicians have been recent and tragic examples. The most recent case is Dr. Susan Moore, and then he cites her case. She documented her treatment prior to death, and it is being widely circulated on social media. You may also be aware of the case of uh, Shanice Wallace, M.D., and he documents that. A chief pediatric resident at IU School of Medicine in Indianapolis, who died October 24th, after complications from preeclampsia four days after giving birth prematurely by cesarean delivery. What connects these cases is the strong suggestion of implicit biases playing a role, especially in the case of Dr. Moore. Both are evidence of health disparities, differences in outcomes, and possible health inequities, differences in opportunities as well. The state health department has within its power under Indiana statute and the opportunity, obligation to investigate and take appropriate action you license all hospitals. ISDH also needs to assure who's patients, especially given the disproportionate effects of COVID in minority patients, are not being subjected to substandard care. My suggestion is that ISDH, perhaps in conjunction with the Indiana Hospital Association and the Health Professions Licensing Bureau, collaborate and take the lead on the recognition of the bias and its effects on health care outcomes in our state and enact new steps that will help Hoosier patients know the quality of care and empathy to which they are entitled. Steps are needed as well to ensure the delivery system also knows its obligations in providing high-quality care free of bias. Um, I'd like to be able to say all who have contacted me that our state uh, and our governor is aware of these cases and understands the validity of the concerns and creating um, uh, an action plan that will promptly and promptly and disproportionately fund it so I mean he's he's calling for action and he's also alerted and, and and gotten in touch with state legislators about I mean this is this is coming at the these hospitals from all angles from all and this is a great thing because it can't be a one-off it can't be a dismissal with a with a statement that we're going to look into it and we're gonna you know we're gonna provide um, uh, sensitivity training or diversity and inclusion it can't be that simple 317
1: 239 317 239 what do you guys think about this Has something like this happened to you let's go to the phone lines uh caller on line one good morning who's this
5: hey that is pervasive in any system that we have in here in this uh country in the state of indiana but what i want to talk about um cameron is that they need to test the air in these superstores, because I was in uh, Lowe's the other day, it was elbow to elbow. Now, they can—if COVID is airborne, then uh, they should be able to find the level of uh, corruption that's in the air of COVID. It's been done in many other cases. They have not tested that. They have not shown us that our businesses have to be closed down because they have a high level of COVID. They can test it and get the scientific evidence to prove their case but they're not going to do that, but uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have random tests of these big uh, uh, Walmart, uh, all the other large stores like Myers and Kroger's. They need to test the air. So if those are death chambers, if COVID is airborne, because people are coming in there with dirty masks on, full of bacteria, full of whatever they came from, the last place they were in, on the face of that mask being ex- admitted, through the uh mask into the atmosphere. So they need to do that. That's one of the fallacies. If they find out that uh the air is not full of COVID, then they need to release people from wearing masks. But if they do, they need to shut down these businesses as well as they're shut down small businesses. So All right. the health care is just for basic, just like in anything else. But we need to understand that. Well they're okay. gonna do nothing about it.
1: All right, I look forward to seeing the results of of that test. That could be interesting. Thank you, Larry. Uh caller online too. Good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Good
0: morning. Uh, this is Miss uh, Petrie Campbell. How are you guys today?
1: Good. How are you? Happy New Year.
0: Uh, thank you you. So well, my story is kind of similar to uh, the the Doctor Doctor Moore. I started having symptoms in 2019 and was rushed to the emergency room, couldn't breathe. I mean, just about every symptom that I had that that was associated with COVID, I had experienced The loss of taste. Well, I wasn't to be tested for anything at that time. They were telling me, well, you don't have a fever, and uh, you just need to go home and quarantine. Uh, they had hooked me up to an EKG machine. My blood pressure was like 210 over 100. They still ended up sending me home. Okay, so I did quarantine. They I ended up having to go back within two weeks, and my symptoms had Elevated, and they kept telling me, "Well, you're not the uh, you're not having any fever, so we're not going to test you. We're going to forward to April of 2020." I went to the hospital. Uh, I went to the hospital about seven or eight different times, and each time my symptoms got worse and worse. I was told that since I didn't have a fever, and I was begging to be tested, and they said well, we're not going to test you. You don't you, you we just don't feel that you're sick enough. I was so sick, I couldn't even hold my head up. And uh, I ended up actually getting tested. I went back to the hospital in April of 2020. And finally, I got a doctor that had a lot of compassion and I had to beg her to be tested. So she said, well, your blood pressure is awful high. You don't have a fever, but I'm gonna end up testing you. Well, within the time that I went back to the hospital, I tested negative but i was still being sick. Well, we're going to send you home, and we'll give you your results. Okay. So I have been back to the hospital three more different times. I ended up going to another hospital, and the doctor over there, which is in the network that we're talking about. I'm a black female, and I'm 65 years old. And I ended up going back to the hospital, and the E.O. The doctor told me, said, well, uh, we're not going to test you because you don't have a fever. I said, I was just telling to talk to her. I couldn't breathe. I mean, I felt horrible. I felt like I was dying. And they kept uh, talking to me like I didn't matter. And, and I could understand what the doctor was going through. And uh, so I ended up calling my insurance company and filing a complaint with them. And they had, uh, and I contacted the patient advocate at the other hospital. And my insurance company, they uh about grievances uh, mommy has with both of the hospitals and the one hospital practically called me a liar because i had went through the emergency room and i had to end up leaving there going to another hospital because she said well we're not testing for that and we got people ahead of you I, i couldn't even breathe So, I I, I couldn't even drive, so I called my ride back and they ended up taking me to another hospital and they really worked on me. I ended up staying overnight in observation, but I kept kept testing negative. So, I never did test positive, uh, positive, but now I'm still having issues from that different time where they didn't do nothing before me because now I am being treated. Well, uh, what is the actual fibrillation that the the, the virus damages your heart muscle? Well, now I'm going to heart doctors and everything to see uh, about my heart because they said that they don't know if my blood is not going through my bowel. And I had had no heart issues before. So I can sympathize with her, and it is just unbelievable how we – are treated, and they kept telling me they wouldn't give me any pain medication. Some of them, you know, we don't give out enough starting time. No, Well, I have been quarantined. Every time they sent me home, I have been quarantined. My husband, he wasn't even in my part of the house. I had quarantined by myself. And it is absolutely ridiculous. But I, I, I sympathize with anybody that has been through what we have been through. I sympathize with the Moore family because she... I more salt and stories so and I just thank the heavenly father that I am still here. I had to work on myself and do take medicine. I started taking the vitamin D. I started reaching out, listening to the programs that you guys offer in the morning, listening to Ricky Smiley Show to see what I could do to boost my immune system. So I am really so grateful for your platform and your format because it, I, I, it was horrible. But I still have residual effects from not being tested and not being treated
1: properly. Thank you so much for uh, the call, and so glad that you are okay. And thank you for listening to this show and our uh, our other shows. We so uh, greatly appreciate and glad that you are able to join us in 2021. Thank you so much, yeah, Thank you, God. God bless. Go ahead, Go ahead Tina. You.
2: And, and I'm, that story is 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 just heartbreaking because so many have gone through it. What what do you think about coming at this uh, as Dr. Myers' idea? Uh-huh. Of coming at the licensure of some of these healthcare systems that are not addressing what they need to address, because he he seems to feel as if um, saying that they are going to address implicit bias within, uh, but pressure on their licensing. What well, any thoughts on that, Alexis? Any thoughts on that, Cameron?
1: Can we, um, Alexis, actually okay. hold that thought, hold that thought, okay. <laughs> uh, and take that uh, answer on the other side of our commercial break, because I just realized we just passed, blew past our time for our commercials, <laughs> so we will, uh, Tina's just set us up for a nice little teaser, and then uh, on the other side of the break, we will answer that question, as well as address what should you do in that situation when you're not getting the treatment that you need when you're inside uh, one of the hospitals. And we'll also find out what it is call and response, Alexis Tardy and her group members, what it is they are doing and what you can do uh, to make a difference and join their cause. All that and more when the Open Line show on the first Sunday of 2021 continues
0: we want to hear from you your thoughts your views your voice we are your eye on the community it's open lines on hot 96.3 keeping you connected to what's happening in our city it's open lines on hot 96.3
1: And good Sunday morning to you on the first Sunday of 2021. This is the Open Line Show. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Uh, On the air this morning for the first time in the new year with Tina Cosby and Alexis Tardy, uh, who is a member of the group Call and Response. This morning we're talking about health disparities that are popping up in our hospitals, particularly after the deaths of two black Women, Indiana doctors, Shanice Wallace, who passed away back in October after having her baby at St. Vincent, and then most recently, Dr. Susan Moore, who passed away at St. Vincent after she went. Uh, And spent several days at IU Health Hospital where she says she did not get the treatment that she needed and said it had everything to do with the color of her skin. So in this situation, Tina and Alexis, as we move back into the conversation, uh, Tina was asking just before our commercial break about the idea of going after licenses of these institutions, um, Alexis. And she wanted to know, what did you think of that? Uh, that line of action?
3: Right, yes. I think that is uh, more than appropriate to go after the licenses of the institutions and also um, uh, specifically of Dr. Eric Bannock. In fact, as um call and response, um, we're going to be releasing our calls to action um, pretty soon. And one of our calls to action is a public apology um, as well as suspending the license of Dr. Eric Bannock. Um, We're also calling for an attendance to a call-and-response community conversation and a public apology from uh, CEO Dennis Murphy. Um, He did not mention an apology in the statement. Um, And for us, repentance is extremely important in this case. Um, Even if they are medically and legally absolved, there's still a wrong that's been done. And all of this is undergirded by the fact that this is more than treatment bias. It's systemic racism. Uh, Part of our one to action will also be just changing the standards. Um, we know that inherent in the Hippocratic oath is to do no harm, but that's a really low bar. So one of our calls to action is to have healing as the standard, not uh, not do no harm or not try not to get sued or try not to kill a patient. Healing really needs to be the standard for doctors and nurses. And in that case, um, Dr. Eric Banning has failed, and so did all of the other doctors and nurses that ignored um, Dr. Moore. And even in Dr. Wallace's case, it's important to remember um, that Indiana has some of the worst maternal and infant mortality rates in the country. Um, and so again, this isn't isolated incident. This is something that um, is inherent in our system. Um, we are third in the country for maternal mortality and seventh for infant mortality. So we are at the top in the country um, when it comes to these mortality rates. Um, and it's going to be even worse for black women. So this is something that we need to inherently address um for both um Dr. Moore and Dr. Wallace but also just systemically um this is something that this is something that needs to be addressed and goes beyond just individual bias
1: 317-239-9696 317-239-9696 that's the number to get on the air this morning as we talk about the issues that are happening in our hospitals Tina
2: No I was just going to say the infant mortality and the maternal uh, mortality, uh, those are not new facts, or those are not new statistics. Those have been around for more than two decades. The city of Indianapolis, the county of Marion has been leading in those two areas for more than 20, maybe even 25 years. So something has to be done to bring those numbers back to where it's it's more humane. Um, but, but yeah, Alexis makes an extremely good point about the infant mortality and maternal mortality rate here. And my, my only point is, that's not new. That's been around for decades. And, and, in, stop.
1: and in fact, Tina, that is something that we have heard Governor Eric Holcomb talk about numerous times mm-hmm. as something that is going to be a priority uh, if he didn't get it done in the first uh, administration it will happen now that we are going into his, his second. The governor, by the way, will be uh, asked that by me uh, just go ahead and give them a heads up now. That's one of the questions I'll be asking when we have a group reporter um, interviews with the governor. Normally he would do a end of the year uh, sit down with with all of us. But this year it's going to be a group on Zoom beginning of the year interview. And that is one of the questions that has been top of my mind since uh, I have heard about uh, the deaths uh, of these doctors and, and the different things that are going on in our hospitals 317-239-9696 317-239-9696 let's go to the phone lines let's see who this is online too good morning you're live on the air
0: hello hello who's this uh this is john and, uh thanks for taking my call but i want to know if that doctor do he still got a license because i want to know who he is that i don't want to go there because he great sound like he raises. <laughs>
1: We have not heard of any discipline action at this time other than that there is an uh, internal and external review. We have not heard if that means he's uh, on on paid leave or if he's practicing. We do not know. But the information that I've gotten from IU Health says that the entire situation is under investigation.
0: I had that problem, you know, like me as a man. You know, I had this racism problem. I, I feel him so. It should seem like it should be in jail, like, you know?
1: Well... There's a process, and so IU Health is is doing. Uh, tells us they are doing doing that process, and so we'll stay up on it and we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, misleading people, uh, I think we should be. In, I think we should get our own. Now look, I'm I'm like going off our own state, <laughs> own governor, our own uh, country. I think that's where we should. Be. I'm getting like Muslim now, but I ain't one. But I'm getting like that.
1: <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you for the call. More callers 317-239-9696. two three nine ninety six ninety six. Let's see who this is on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Then Brenda. Brenda, good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, did you know they take your picture when you go to the hospital? Yes, ma'am. Let me tell
0: you what happened. I had went to the hospital, and I was at this place called the Horizon House. Hello? I'm hearing you. Go ahead. And I went to a little young kid came up to me talking about, you got a mental illness. I said, what are you talking about? And he had a policeman with with a gun. as the only reason why they bust him upside his head. All right. Yeah. They take your picture when you go in the hospital and give it to people.
1: All right. Thank you for letting us know that, Brenda. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. All right. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Call her online, too. Good morning. Who's this?
5: This is Joe. Joe, what's up? Uh, my wife My wife was in the hospital, and she had a heart attack. She had a stroke. She had high blood pressure.
1: Mm, sorry to hear and that.
5: I, and I took her to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And everything, and didn't find nothing wrong with her. gave her some bad aspirants. And she waited from February to June almost to get treated. I had to take her to the hospital to get treated.
1: And, and how is she Thank doing you.
5: now? She's doing much better. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Um, when when you went through that process, did you talk to uh, a a advocate or a patient advocate or anything like that, or did you not really know where to go?
5: I didn't know where to go.
1: Alexis, thank you. Thank you for that call. And I asked that to you, Alexis. One of the things that we talked about the other day was Dr. Moore called for a patient advocate. Dr. Moore uh, called on different people. That's why she started doing Facebook. And she said, I don't know if I need to go to the media. I don't know what needs to happen for me to get the help that I need. But in that situation, she went to the patient advocate and she says in her Facebook video, the patient advocate was like, I don't really know what. To do for you, so Alexis, right. what, what is? I don't know how much you've looked at that, but um, you know, are you asking for uh, different ways that people can get help? Is are there more effective ways to call for help?
3: Um, yes, I mean, I think part of the patient, the part of the patient advocate's job is to advocate for the patient, obviously, and to also report what is going on uh, with the patient. If there's anything that's going on with the patient? So part of that is just, you know, doing your job in that sense. Part of that is training as well. Um, we also believe that, you know, training around empathy and bias is important. Um, and we also, uh, I mean, to your point, Dr. Moore knew to do that because she was a doctor. Mm-hmm. So some of this has to do with education, um, as one of your callers mentioned, in the black community as well, um, so that we know how to advocate for ourselves in the system.
1: More phone calls. Good morning, online one. Who's this? Hello? All right, I just lost you. Three, Call me back, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. The phones are still ringing, Alexis, in the meantime. Um, What can folks do uh, to uh, continue to... Join your movement. You've got a petition going. We
3: do. So we've um, we've put out a statement to um, apply pressure for public accountability and justice for both um, Dr. Moore and Dr. Wallace. You can go to uh, our Facebook page. It's call X response. Um, you can sign on to the statement um, as we are calling for public accountability and justice. Um, and in the next few weeks, we're going to start a how we heal campaign which would be um, education around uh, disparities for black women in health care, but also ways that we can um, have action in the system so that we can change the systemic racism that we're seeing. So you can go to Call X Respond. Um, there's a link that you can sign your name to the statement um, to call for justice and accountability.
1: 317-239-9696. That's the number to get on the air. we got uh, about seven minutes left in the show. Good morning. Caller on line one, who's this? This
6: is Brenda.
1: Brenda, a different Brenda, alright.
6: Different Brenda, yes. Um, I uh my mother was in the hospital a few years ago and I didn't feel like she was getting the treatment that she should have received. And I called for a advocate, uh, and I told him that if she didn't get help I was just gonna take her out and take her somewhere else. I did get the help, but what I'm I'm seeing behind all this all are trained Mm -hmm. not all doctors who work in emergency i don't think are trained uh i think they're coming out of school and they don't really know everything um my daughter had asthma i took her to the hospital they told me she had a cold this doctor did and i said i don't believe so because she's not breathing why she i think she has asthma he fought me and fought me and then went and took a break. So I called her doctor from the emergency room. He called back over there, and then they came out and said, okay, we'll give her a test. And then comes back, yes, she does have asthma. I said, I tried to tell you that hour ago. So my thought on all this is that everybody shouldn't be in an emergency room in the doctor not all doctors, like I said, are trained for everything. And and I just and I think that right now because of COVID, a lot of these doctors and nurses are overworked. And you know, I think what you need to do if you're having a bad attitude, walk away. Thank just you. walk away.
1: Thank you so much for the call and you bring up a uh, a point that I was thinking of as as you were uh talking is that yes, we are in the middle of the pandemic and we know uh, how stressful it is inside of these hospitals. And so that that okay. is taken into a, an account, but not an excuse for uh, poor treatment. And I haven't heard anyone really uh, use that as an excuse, but absolutely that's that's part of what uh, goes on in the hospital, especially with COVID. But as we're hearing from the callers and as we're hearing from Tina's own experience, this has gone on long before covid Uh and, but it's only gotten worse, and it's being highlighted now, like so many other things, because of cell phones. and And so, I, I also want to point out that uh, in the case of, of Dr. Moore, again, that is under investigation by IU Health. In the case of Dr. Wallace, no one has uh, really publicly uh, alleged any wrongdoing on the on the part of St. Vincent. But uh, just overall, they highlight the different. Uh, experiences and unfortunate uh, things that are happening inside of the hospitals. Tina, um, what do you think uh, comes of this? Is this does this continue to become a a larger movement? As you've got people like Dr. Woody Myers speaking out and asking for. Uh, some attention to what we know is a serious problem here in Indiana because our own governor acknowledges what happens to women in the hospitals, especially pregnant women.
2: Yeah, I I don't get the impression that this one is going to be a one-off that'll be dismissed with diversity training promises. I just don't. Uh, there, there are too many um, organizations like Alexis's. There are too many people. Uh, Dr. Myers uh, basically indicated enough was enough. It's time for this to stop. Uh, and again, you, you mentioned it quite well that this has been going on for quite some time, well before COVID. And so I don't think that um, that it's going to just go by the wayside. I, I think if anything, it's going to pick up.
1: For those of you just joining us uh, this morning, we're on the air talking about uh, some instances, unfortunately, that have happened in Indiana hospitals, most recently taking the lives of two black indiana doctors in two very separate situations but nonetheless i uh, shine the light on an issue that folks from the new social justice group call and response are shining a light on and asking for accountability alexis we got one minute left for you and then i'll turn it back over to tina because tina i want to give you a chance to give us a little tease of what's coming up on your show but uh alexis uh in, in a minute or less what can folks do uh to get informed about this and and participate in shining a light on this
3: Right. Thank you so much. Um, first, I want to say that we, um, as we said in our state statement, we do honor the frontline healthcare workers, uh, during the pandemic. Um, and I think what happened with Dr. Bannock is actually in a front to those healthcare workers who are, uh, doing their best with the patients. Folks can, um, we encourage folks to go to the, um, GoFundMe that's been set up by the families of Dr. Moore and Dr. Wallace. Um, also continue to keep them in your prayers as they're going through this. Um, folks can find us on Facebook at Call X Response. Um, they can like our page and uh, just follow us as we continue to update that with our actions that we have coming
1: up. Alexis Tardy, thank you so much for joining us here on the air and and letting us know that there are people uh, who are paying attention to what is going on. Thank you so much and Happy New Year.
3: Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you
1: all. Thank you. Thank you. Tina, uh, you are fresh back from vacation. We got a minute left in the show. What's coming up this week on Community Connection?
2: Uh, quite a bit. Uh, we're going to start off with, uh, Marshawn Wally, uh, Tanya McKenzie, president of IBE, uh, just about an initiative that they're going to share with us. They're going to unveil that, um, on the show. We're going to be talking uh, with child advocates. Uh, that's just tomorrow, uh, for the rest of the week, obviously the, um, the, uh, the certification of the election. We have an Indiana Senator, Cameron, mm-hmm, yeah. Mike Braun, mm-hmm. who is going to say he's on the side of basically overturning the election so we're going to be looking a little closer at that and some other things throughout the course of the week
1: yep it's going to be a busy week 2020 finally in the rearview mirror i believe 2021 is going to be a course correction in so many ways that we're going to get back on track tina cosby our community affairs director thanks for starting the new year with us here on sunday we'll talk to you tomorrow live at one
2: all righty. Thank you so much, Cameron. Happy New Year to you.
1: Thank you. Same to you and to all of our listeners. Thank you for uh, all the phone calls. The phones are still ringing here as we get ready to sign off the air this morning. It has been a pleasure having this conversation. Thank you to Alexis Tardy and Tina Cosby. Again, this show returns to the air at the same time and the same stations on WTLC and Hot 96.3 next Sunday, live at 8. If you're listening on Hot 96.3, more music is on the way. For those of you listening on WTLC, Al Sharpton starts in 10 seconds. I'm Cameron Rudolph. Have a great week. We'll See you next Sunday live at 8.